Hey, this is Jason and Mark with Interman Radio. A free service to thinkers everywhere, demystifying the Bible by asking the questions your neighborhood pastor is afraid to answer. Well, it feels like it's been a little while since we cut an episode, Mark, so... Uh, oh, just getting back in yeah. the swing of things. <clears throat> We're in the uh, Interman Radio studios. <laughs> yes, here. we are. And uh, we've got the... Uh, Wheelbarrow. Yeah, hanging there. Uh, to your left, there's a bicycle hanging. Careful of that. A pruning hook. Yeah. <laughs> Punching bag. Wait, did you see a pruning hook up there? Yeah, I did. Where is it? <laughs> I, I've been looking for that. Aha! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> hey, it's a new year. We're excited. And I uh, don't know when the listener is actually listening to this, but uh, for us right now, it's, it's uh, the beginning of a year, and there's new things that await, and I can't wait to see what God's got in store. Every year is, an, is a new opportunity. God starts things, and... It's up to us to see what's inside. We get to unwrap those things. Hey, you know what? It's a cheesy segue on that. Here's a cheesy one. I'm ready. We're going to unwrap a few questions here today Ooh. on the apologetics side. <laughs> We've been working through some apologetics, and let's rewind just a little bit. People ask questions that are, um, there's some common questions that are asked. Yeah. And we've been marching through tackling those in what we think is a logical way. Uh, we like to think so anyway. And, uh, and I think... Where we're at right now is we're asking the question, why, why do you make it so hard? Why is Christianity so hard? Why is the way so narrow? Which really the real question, I think, is it's not narrow, but why do you say it is? That's the implied objection. That's the implied accusation is that, you know, if God really loved us, I mean, everybody would would get into heaven. Everybody would be okay. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of, of uh, specificity about Christianity because of all the gods that are worshipped, you know, among, among the sons of men, Christianity claims to be the only one that's legit. And then inside... Along with others that claim to be legit. R- right. Right. Yes, but then inside of what we what the world would consider to be Christianity, um, there's a great deal of discussion about which of those denominations and which of those dogmas and which of, of those confessions are correct. And, and, and most of them, as with the others, claim to be the only one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, we're no exception yeah, to right. that. We, we, we're reading the same book, uh, but as, the, as this, the person who would ask that question would point out that, you know, you've got 6,000 interpretations of this one book and you're all fighting amongst yourselves. So, yeah. Right. Whereas the common, you know, perception of the way things ought to be is that everybody should go to heaven, all dogs should go to heaven, and Mm -hmm. all roads should lead to heaven as long as you're trying to do the right thing and Mm -hmm. you're being a pretty good person and at least you haven't murdered anybody. Right. Love your neighbor in general. Um yeah, you, everybody gets to go. Nobody gets left out. Everybody's a winner. But do cats? You said all dogs. <laughs> well, dogs we're pretty sure about. Cats, uh, cats that's... it's more difficult to say. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we've offended some cat owners. I think I'm okay with that. Are yeah, you, are you I'm okay with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm okay. <laughs> but that idea that all roads have to lead to heaven as long as somebody, you know, wants to do good, that uh, that they must... They must be okay, and that God's gonna God's gonna honor um, their desire, if it, even if it isn't manifested in some kind of uh, some kind of action. In Acts chapter four, um, 
you know, the scriptures bring out specifically in verse 10. He says, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. And talking about um, how they've uh, uh, given the ability to to walk to this guy who was um, who previously was was lame, and so now he's been made well, and so he stands here before them in good health. Verse eleven. Peter continued, he said, He is the stone uh, which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone in reference to Jesus. And there is salvation in no one else. Now, that's a very exclusive statement. Right. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Peter makes that very exclusive statement. A pronouncement that there is salvation in no one else. Only that name, only in the name of Christ, is there salvation. Everything else, he says, is false. Everything else is a closed door. So when, as Christians, we take that message to the world, and particularly uh, our culture currently, that is that's at odds with their kind of background belief or their ambient understanding of how a loving God must work who wouldn't who wouldn't send anyone to hell and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago who wouldn't cause you know who wouldn't condemn anyone well so because I guess there's a couple different positions a person can come from let me back up I guess there's a couple of different positions a person could come from to make that assertion I mean one would be is that first of all you can't claim that Christianity is the only true religion that would be one yeah the other the other position is is that um, it, 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 let me back up because you can't claim it because you guys are all fighting and who's to know what really is the truth. The other position is that there really isn't any truth anyway. Yes, yeah, that it's and and so but those are two fundamentally different arguments, but they kind of come together in that question, don't they? Yes, they do. <clears throat> yep, they do. Um, you know, there's a, certainly a, a prevalent philosophy uh, understanding in our culture that uh, we can't really know what truth is. Um, we, we think we might, or, you know, we have, we have positions that w- maybe we are more drawn to. But as far as knowing whether or not there is a truth, um, that, that really can't be known. And that's, you know, that's a, um, uh, one of the many children of postmodernism. Mm-hmm. That y- you just, you can't know. You can't know. And so it's bled over into the religious world. So, the application now is you can't know which religion is true because you can't know if there is truth. So not to go on a rabbit trail here, but as a side note, uh, science is, is upheld in our society today as being something that is anti-religion or anti-faith, anti-Christianity. And the reason is because science is objective and science is, uh, it's, yeah, it's objective, and so it's solid, and, and it points to things yes, that you factual. can know. Yeah. Facts, you just would, the we facts. Know it. Mm-hmm. Right. But what's interesting about that is that even science itself, uh, as it's understood today, 
is actually under attack by that same notion. Very much. That you really can't know what truth is. So maybe your experiments, the, the, you know, your hypothesis after it's being tested and, and your theory after it's been tested. And so you, you might say that, well, here's what we think is true, but how do we really know? Yeah, you, because we really can't know. That's their position is you, right. is you can't know. But, so, of course, but, I've, but I've, read, I've read some articles where uh, the modern scientific community is actually – as concerned about postmodernism as Christians are, because it's attacking even the scientific foundation of what they believe to be true. Uh, and yeah, and, and that is that is by design. If you can't know what is true, though, if if <laughs> if that's true, <laughs> yeah, right. If, you if can't that's know true, what is true? <laughs> if that's true, then why do we argue about it anyway? Right. Right. Because if you can't know, then what's the point of having a discussion? So we're going to set that argument aside um, as, as, as falling under the weight of its own premise. Um, Christianity, we're going, to, uh, we're going to begin with the assumption that we can know what is true, and, uh, and we can learn that by, by really the scientific process, by presenting a hypothesis, by testing that, by creating, you know, gathering data. And we do that with the Scriptures. It's how we prove the Scriptures are true. And so if the Scriptures are true, then wouldn't they also give us the direction for salvation? And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus makes a statement uh, about salvation. He says, the, uh, in verse 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. The gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Jesus acknowledged himself that the way to God is narrow. So he said, not everybody's going to get there. In fact, by contrast, more will be lost than will be saved. Hmm. Th that's implied, isn't it? I mean, that... that the gate is wide that leads to, to destruction. Death, yeah. yeah, right. And right. the way is narrow that leads to life. So <clears throat> if Jesus is accepted as an authority on the issue of salvation, and he ought to be, yeah. then yes, the way is narrow. So... Uh, John 14 is another one that uh, um, Jesus spoke on the same topic. John 14 in verse 6. six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here it is again, that exclusive statement. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's, there's no other way, no other options. It's through Jesus alone that mankind comes to God. And that seems like an awfully an awfully high bar, doesn't it? Yeah, actually it really does, Mark. <laughs> I mean <laughs> why, why make it so tough? Because there's been six billion people I mean right now there's six <laughs> billion people on the earth. So over the course of history there's maybe been seven billion total. Right. We'll just say that. Okay. And you're saying that just one one person through one person is salvation. And that may be an uncomfortable conclusion, but it is the only rational conclusion. If Jesus has authority to decide uh, or to know who is or is not saved, then his testimony we have, to, we have to receive as being authoritative. If he said the gate is narrow, then the gate is narrow. If he said more are going to be lost than saved, then more are going to be lost than saved. Now, the question is, where exactly do the pillars of that gate stand? What's required 
for someone to be saved? It's the next logical question that we have to answer. So sometimes, you know, I think people have this idea that, that they get to plug in whatever they think Jesus would want. Right. So, okay, uh, Jesus is pretty big on... Love. He's pretty <laughs> yeah, big on he's love. pretty big on love, right. <clears throat> yeah. So if I love people, then I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, and, he's, and he wants to take care of the planet. He's and he's all about justice as well, especially social. <laughs> especially social justice. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> it's funny how how people are very willing to insert what they think should be the necessary criteria for salvation. If Jesus is the one who has authority to speak on it, then we should ask Jesus what the necessary requirements of salvation. How does he define? the gate that is narrow, not how is it defined in modern religion, not how do Jason and Mark define it, mm-hmm. um, not how do, you know, this does this denomination define it, but how does Jesus define the gate that is, that is narrow? It's not out of character for God to do that. I mean, think, well, think of Noah, for example. Mm-hmm. That's a very narrow door. Yes. It was large enough, yeah. but... Not everybody came through the door. So Noah builds the ark, and he says, okay, everybody get in. And more were lost than were saved. The problem, though, is sometimes people make it appear as though God is the one who limits the number that come through the door. You know, it's like, it, you know, I'm sorry, we've reached our occupancy limit. Right. Y- you got here too late, and uh, you'll have yeah. to catch the next boat. In Noah's case, there is no next boat. If only that righteous preacher had preached for 121 years. <laughs> you yeah, know, there, there, would, there have would have been a better opportunity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Noah's a great illustration. The door is plenty wide to accommodate everyone who wants to get on the boat. It's not a it's not a, a uh, an indictment of the door as to how many came in. It's an indictment of the people who chose not to, and the argument that says. It's not right for more to be lost than saved, or that the way should be narrow rather than broad, is really an argument based on the contemporary American sensibilities rather than any kind of, of rational reasoning. So oftentimes they'll say, well, but how, how can God condemn those who've never heard about Jesus. I mean, that seems reasonable, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, right. I mean, you've got somebody in uh, Africa, the African desert, and they've never. Down in Africa. <laughs> wow, Mark Miller just did Toto. <laughs> Toto. Wow, with an air guitar. Come on, you're not going along. With yeah, that. but you sound like the Bee Gees. <laughs> that's the problem. Oh, that's that's me. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's me. <coughs> what about the guy? In, it's always the guy in deepest, darkest Africa. Okay, what right. about him? Right. Well, he didn't have the chance to hear. And therefore? Therefore, God's unjust for uh, allowing him to be lost, Ooh, not saved, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Good yep. one. No. No? No. No, no, no. <clears throat> that assumes that these guys have no choice. And it makes, it makes two assumptions. Number one, it assumes that they don't have any choice in order to be saved. But number two, it makes what I think is, a, is an even greater error, and that is it assumes that God cannot get the gospel to people who want to hear it. And 
I, I reject both of those. Um, or he doesn't care to. Or he doesn't care. Right. So he's, where's yeah. the basis for that? So right. So if you're if you're at that point, then you're you're really, if a person is really saying that that's a part of that's a character flaw in God, then we're starting at a completely different point. Yeah. So Romans, in a couple of places, makes it clear that everybody gets a shot at this. In uh, Romans 1, 18, 19, and 20, it talks about how uh, both God's wrath is revealed uh, through, to all men, because that which is known about them, in verse 19, uh, that, which, excuse me, that which is known about God is evident within them, that's mankind, for God made it evident to them since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly understood through what has been made so that these are without excuse. Everybody knows by looking at the natural world that there has to be a creator. Um, Paul goes even further in chapter 10 when he says, uh, he asks this very question. He says, uh, however, in verse 16, they did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says again, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? And he answers, indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Paul says in his day, the gospel had already spread to the ends of the world. And then in John chapter 3, God makes this promise. Jesus says in verse 20, he says, everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Somebody who practices truth <clears throat> comes to the light. And that light, in this case, is the knowledge of who God is. It's not that, that God can't find them. It's not that they've never heard. If somebody practices truth... Jesus said they come to God. Okay. So it's not a matter of it, it okay. That puts the that puts the onus on the person coming to God. Right. Right. <clears throat> and God is is not unable to reach them, right? Is his hand so, so short, short so that he not cannot save? save? Yeah. Right. So it's amazing to me the people who would who would say, you know, you guys are trying to put God in a box when you say people have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be saved. Right. God just saves everybody, but he can't save that guy in Africa. So who's got God in the box? So if the guy who's never heard, if he has no access, you know, he, 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 first of all, he has no access to the natural world. And then secondly, he's so far remote that God can't reach him with the gospel. Who's limiting God? Right. I don't I don't I don't buy either of that. God said if he practices truth, he comes to the light and he left the gospel in the world for that purpose. So to summarize then, Mark, really God is not unjustified in making requirements for salvation. No, not at all. And uh, really the only question at this point is what is the path to salvation? How does a person become a Christian? And for those who've been in the Christianese world for any length of time, <laughs> right? You, you might be just a little bit surprised and maybe even intrigued by what we find out in the Word. So make sure you tune in next time on, on Inner Man Radio. Radio. Yeah, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, you can be sure to never miss an episode by visiting innermanradio.org or get automatic notifications on your phone with the Inner Man Radio app. It's available on Google Play or Apple Stores. 